Jones would have been a different movie if they introduced Nazis through like a really serious concentration camp scene. You know what I mean? Like when you talk about like tone in movies, you can have funny Nazis in the in thing without having to address every issue of true. Here we are, and welcome to a amazing, already exciting episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast, because we have returning champion Mike Roberts, director of Final Space, creator of Dallas and Robo, Juno Award-winning artist for the short film music video. I don't exactly know how to describe it, but Rumble Seat, done to the amazing music of the Sadies. Mike, welcome back. Hey, everybody. It's Hi, great. Mike. It's great to have Mike back. And Mike is back this time with Becky, who had to miss that right. particular episode. Because so. I, that was when I was in Copenhagen, yeah. I want to say. You were hanging out Denmark. with some, you were doing your own non disclosable activities. I mean, I can talk about it now. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, it's, it's available. I was, I was actually filming something with Justin Timberlake in it. Super cool. I did not talk to him, but I was in the same room as him, mere inches from his face. Um, <laughs> But yes, that's why I asked. How are you doing, Beck? Oh, I'm actually, I'm really great. I've been like sitting on this, waiting to tell you guys when we're done podcasting today, I'm actually going to hop in the car with cousin Vanessa. She and I are driving up to Tahoe, just the two of us, and we're going to ski tomorrow morning together and then come back and we're leaving the kids behind with their dad. Someone will be watching them. So I'm so excited. Crazy. That's amazing. That's That's like when mom, that's like when mom, I want to say maybe it's multiple times in multiple grades Mm -hmm. would just be like shy. It's snowing really nicely. Today, you're not going to school, and she'd just take me skiing. You do that to me too. That's a solid yeah, choice. Like the end I of like high that. school, she used to do that. So, yeah. except you know, it's like a weekend, so it's really just more like I won't care for my child today. Bye. Uh, you've like, earned it. It's way better than missing school, I can tell you that. So. <laughs> now, what, what's interesting, Becky, is that Lily and I chatted before the show yesterday, and she's gonna we weigh chatted in before the show. I mean, yesterday. I mean, we chatted yesterday about and the, the day show. before that. We chatted before we, the show. We talk often. Yeah, I talked to you too yesterday. Shy, just by the way. I, I was, you know, I was in a bit of a haze. But L- Lily is gonna. Lily was struck by a few like secrets, like secret moments you and I have had as brother and sister. Like you, you, you kind of assume everybody knows no. everything. Everybody. Oh, yeah, you do assume. No, That's so funny. I never like, assume I know everything with what's going on with the two of you. You leave me out plenty. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Becky. You know so many people's secrets, so I feel no, like you don't know tell a me a lot of things. Does Mike? Don't ever tell me a secret. I just have too many secrets up in here, and I can't keep. Every time I go to tell you, Becky, I'm like, I, Becky, I've tell you, don't tell anybody. She's like, please don't, don't stop. <laughs> I, I don't know who knows what. I can't tell anybody anything. Anyway, I wish I so had that self control. I can't tell people. No, oh, I know. I worked in the industry where where need to know is a real thing, and I firmly believe in need to know. You don't want to know anything that is not for your ears. So you funny. cannot win by that. See, I live in a non-important information zone, in an orbit <laughs> of things that I don't need. No one cares about. Same with me. So what's the secret? Um, anyway, so but yeah. Did you get to the point where you think that um, three sibs are pretty close? You know everything about everybody. 
And Shy, like, it was like catching, like, found money TV when we talk about, like, when you find an episode of your favorite show that you had never seen. It was like finding an episode of this, the three of our show. And I was like, I don't know that episode. What happened? Um, <laughs> and Shy told me that the night before his wedding to his wife, yeah. he and Becky had a sleepover together just the two of them. <laughs> Before he got married. Yeah, like, in the hotel. And we husband, watched uh, Kung Fu movies. And they watched Kung Fu movies. Just the two of them. Talk about leaving somebody out. Um, I was shocked. Yeah. That's, I, that's was, I, 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 I don't remember not... I don't remember saying I wasn't going to go with you. I'm sure I was invited. But I... My boyfriend was there with me, and it was, like, the first big family event that he met everybody at. It was a big deal that he came to this wedding. So I'm sure, like I said, I was preoccupied with that and didn't join in. But I can't believe that story. Yeah, we watched 1980s Shaw Brothers kung fu movies together and, like, ate snacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cute. It's pretty awesome. So, so there you go. An, an, an unreleased episode, origin story, gets <laughs> gets released right here. Uh, Lily, do you have anyway, another story? So, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to bore you guys, but something uh, really funny happened to me. Today. <laughs> another cockroach falling off of someone's face in the middle oh. of a meeting? No? No. Oh, I heard that story. No. <laughs> it's a I great think, story. Yeah. That was a, that was a gem. Um, no, but I... Um, my kid sleeps in a crib still. Um, I'm trying to keep that going for as long as possible. And he sleeps in a sleep sack, cool. which is kind of safety to make sure he won't like leave the crib because his legs are in like a sleeping bag, right? And so I put him down for his nap and I went into my office, which is a bit removed from his bedroom with a monitor. And I closed my office door because I had to do a bunch of work and he was sleeping all quiet on the monitor. And I'm just like, my husband's at work. So this is today. He was doing a course. He's at work. So I'm, you know, in the apartment, like all quiet, doing my work. Don't hear anything but the little music on the monitor. And there's a knock at my office door. <laughs> and I literally was like, oh, my God. All, so many things went through my head. First, there's a robber in the house. He's so polite. That's weird. <laughs> Jose came home early. Why would he knock at the door? But I didn't have time to say, come in. The door just opened, and a tiny two-year-old in a sleep sack walks right into my office and goes, can I come in? And I go, I was like, first of all, thank you so much for knocking. That was really, really polite of you. I appreciate that. Second, what are you doing here? How did you get out? What happened? And he just goes, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not sleeping. I guess I can't argue there. It was insane. surreal. It's very adorable. Transition to person. That's what that is. You know, when they yeah. like they surprise you with humanness. Yes, like, exactly. hundred percent. Lily was so hoping I... to keep him in that sleep sack till he was like nine. For sure. <laughs> well, our son only started getting out of bed on his own like last year, and he's seven. He always had to like get permission. He wouldn't leave oh, the bed without. Wow! Him. Oh my he god! Right. The bed without. That is an extremely polite young man. He is an extremely polite young man. There's no question about it. He's Canadian. The progeny of two Canadians. He was born in New York. He should be, like, yelling at people. (laughs) Yeah, but he's got that Canadian, that, like, maple syrup blood. We do, we do, we do, like, we're on him for politeness. But I I love, sorry. We're Americans raised in Canada, so we, our Canadian-ness is is transplanted. It's so funny, like, you hear it the other way so often. You don't see that many Americans raised in Canada. 
because it had made our experience unique. <laughs> well, that's why I think why so many Canadians get in TV because we make like like a parody of society. You know, like Canada's totally. like. Because well, I remember, like I told, like I, I always think about like growing up liking the Dukes of Hazard with no baggage of the Confederacy. You yeah, know? I understand. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and I was like someone at like twenty was like, you know what that that awesome graphic design on the roof is, right? I'm like, I love it. I don't know what is it? it's got to stop. <laughs> flag. I don't know. You got an X flag and you got the regular flag, and then you're like, oh, never talk about it again. That is oh, I was uh, earlier today. Um, my friend Ash, uh, who I'm on the Gold Nerds podcast with, we're trying to explain to our other co-host Lons uh, the polka dot door. Mm-hmm. And how the polka dot door, if you really want to understand a kid who grew up in Canada, you need to understand a children's show whereby the puppets were just still stuffed animals and the actors just whispered the voices when they were off. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm Humpty and Dumpty, Marigold. That's just uh, uh. people. That's the thing. Like, that's not even doing TV. Like, that's just what people do. Like, a TV is supposed to, like, do something extra. You know what I mean? It's like what you do in your living room with your kids. Yeah, like, I could just turn around and have the polka door happen over on the couch. Like, what do I need TV for? (laughs) No, but that's another thing, too, is how important is the metaphor of pokeroo? It could make a joke. You're in a room full of people, and someone disappears and comes back, and they missed, like, Clark Kent. You can't call them pokeroo. Oh, no, not Americans. Not Americans yeah. called Snuffleupagus. But, but Snuffleupagus never was like, you never thought no. Snuffleupagus was like a dude. No, right. Snuffleupagus is just an imaginary friend. So yeah. Are, are we saying that Pokeroo all... is the Canadian Superman? But it's the, they have the same dynamic of secret identity because it's the say, other coast. coast and has to I will say up. I never made that connection until I was way older and someone told me, it was like, yeah, it's the other host. And I was like, no, they got someone who plays the pokeroo. The other host For just. Sure. I may be finding out right now. Where were you the whole time? They're like, I don't know. Like, it was like a weird little. It's like they leaned into it a little bit. And when it was just strictly budgetary. Yeah. <laughs> get some All of that they had was that guy, Dennis, and whoever else. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny to. It's funny because TV Ontario is like the. like. It, that is desperation as a network for how you show with so little money. But it actually leads to some cool stuff, right? Like Polka, Polka Dot Door is like panic spend. Like we have $7. How much TV can we make? We can do one door, one costume, and whatever stuffed animals we've got. And then it's, it's like a TV show for the generation. I, I saw a great meme the other day that was – this is we're going deeply Canadian today – that was – it's the top of it says, so the Avengers thinks it was the most ambitious crossover in history and Canada answers. And it shows a picture of Fred Penner and Mr. Dress Up together. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I guess they did so a, Canadian. I guess I, they did a crossover episode. Once. That's amazing. I saw Mr. Dress Up in the pool with his family at Horseshoe Valley Resort when I was like eight. And it like messed me up. I was like, Ernie Coombs. Is it Ernie Coombs? That's the name? I, I don't so. know. Mr. Dress Up. Yeah, I mean, Wait. he's just Mr. Dress Up to me. Willie's got like a race car seat. Oh, yeah. That's just because right. everyone in our family has a I terrible did, back. All of us have chairs. <laughs> I bought a gaming chair. <laughs> like, right. like for professional gamers, you can see it. I, I saw one of those advertised, and I just wanted it because it looked like a car seat. It looked like a race car. 
So you know this what? is this is I actually like, way those people sit for a long time. Why can't I have one? <laughs> this, is, this is this is a great segue because Mike, we want to ask you about stuff you've been working on. Everyone should follow you on Instagram, the Mike Roberts. And when you did your top nine of the year, oh yeah, your rigging, which is which I would love for you to explain exactly what it is, but your rigging was a huge hit. But you and you also do these awesome like car race car action scenes that, <laughs> that take like a famous car from history not the dukes of hazard car not the general lee but kit is often, um it's kit is often what you've used yeah um so those are those got tons and tons and tons of views tell us a little bit about the about the rigging and, and what exactly that is because there's there's a bruce lee one that's so cool there's this great one where you have uh, hellboy singing a yeah. Leonard cohen song like, <laughs> some of the coolest things i've ever seen well, it's like I, I got I started out as an animator, and then like first week on the job was like ah, I don't want to be an animator. That was like my <laughs> I worked at a place called Core Digital Pictures in Toronto, and and uh, was owned. It, it's funny to say because it was owned by William Shatner. I feel like that's a great mm. sort of little oh, footnote. Wow. That's random. And uh, I was like I was animating a show called uh, um, Angela Anaconda. I don't know if we get, anyone ever see that. Never uh, heard anyway. of it. I thought you were gonna say reboot. No, that was. Oh, just, oh, I loved oh, that reboot. show. Was that yeah, also yeah, Canadian? Reboot was good. That was Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like made in it's Vancouver. It's a um, huge deal. It was. It was like really groundbreaking and weird, and better than it should have been. I remember been, flipping sure. out. Yeah. Well, what a great concept. He's got to like protect the wet the systems from any incoming games. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> such a great anyway. But yeah, so I, I basically was like, I'm, I don't, I, put, I chose the wrong career. What have I done? You know, and then got into storyboarding and everything like that. But I always found out like it always was handy to be able to animate. So I'm always, and I'm always kind of trying to figure out the best way. Because on a show, like 90% of my job is working on story, doing storyboards. And then, you know, maybe managing edits. So there's no actual animation if I don't want to. I can stand back as much as I want. So I decided to kind of like, when, oh yeah, that was what it was. So with Rumble Sea. So when it came time to make my short film, I realized that all those years of being lazy about animation was kind of coming back to haunt me. So I was using that kind of like puppet technique, and I always Which felt is, like by the way, a... haunting and super cool in super cool in Rumble Sea. Rumble I mean, Seat? the way you use the puppet technique, right, is wild in Rumble Sea. Yeah. Well, I got like a lot of pushback going in. Like, it's funny. I I, uh, I will say like I should have saved the like five grand on festivals and just put it on Vimeo because that's the only thing that ever. <laughs> matter like the festivals didn't do a thing like i would like win a festival and i got like a piece of paper and all this kind of stuff and it was great it was fun but it kind of felt like festivals felt like um its own it was like a circular logic it was like festival 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 they were like making content <laughs> for festivals you know like did you ever see that hitchhiker's guide joke where it's like the shoe <laughs> event horizon where there's just too many shoe stores and like they destroy <laughs> yes. the economy because all they're doing is making shoes and then subsidizing making more shoes that's what like <laughs> Um, uh, that's what festivals felt like. Anyway, so then, but with that film, like it wouldn't get into certain festivals because it wasn't animated, you know, air quote animated, because it was like puppet and whatever. And that was back when none of that stuff was being done in a way that was super well respected, unless you really that's hit crazy. it well. So it would get like really snobby rejection letters from animation festivals. They're like, well, if it had any animation in it, we would love to have it in the festival. And then, um, anyway, so I felt like maybe that kind of like, was like the the pin in my side and then i found this program called moho that lets you essentially use 2d like 3d which is if you have much exposure to 3d you're kind of building 3d is like you're building you're you're molding a, a 
sculpture and then you mold it into another shape that you want it to be like a different mouth position, a different eyebrow position. And then you morph it from that pose to the next, like it kind of, you sort of tell it to go from here to there. Is that clear at all? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 pr- the computer program kind of does the work in between those in between. two yeah. stages. Yeah. So it's like, you can, it's like if you were molding it out of clay, you'd make like an O mouth and then you'd make like an E mouth. And then the computer goes, here's the stages in between. And then, you know, the, the really good people work on each little in between phase. You could have thousands of these sort of morph targets anyway. So that program does that with 2d, which I found really exciting. So then it became like a little hobby. Um, so it's like, I feel like I make, you know, like when you hear like a, someone who's like a lawyer makes bird cages, it's like our bird houses. It's like well, that. actually, it's our, our dad, our, our dad, who's like a businessman, is like this insane woodworker, and he built like the Ewok Palace of bird houses out, outside of our house once. So that's what that's what my Instagram is. My Instagram is essentially how I kind of like. I feel like still drawings are kind of like a little too boring. You know, so I like try to like bring some life to them. So it's this weird kind of, I guess, just like a hobby. Yeah. Where but I look at your Instagram and be like, "This is some serious professional animation." <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever paid for it. You know, like this. I mean, I've gotten whatever, but like, it's funny to think my plan, my secret plan is one day someone to be like, How, "We need to make this show, but it's got to be a hundred grand an episode cheaper." And I'm like. Have I got a way to do? That? <laughs> All right, that's cool. So, is Moho something normal people can use? Like, yeah, it's, I, like it's like an app or a, is it an iPad thing or is it? No, a, it's it's like um I don't know. It's like like Photoshop or Toon Boom or or oh, it's wow. like Flash. You know, hmm. Flash. Sure. It's like Flash. Yeah. The 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 main thing that Moho's got going against it is it's such a easy barrier for entry that um you think it it has a certain style that you see. So like whenever you look up examples, you're like, oh, that's what that program does rather than when you see like there's this company called cartoon saloon that does lots of really amazing animation in moho um you just can't tell so you only kind of some there's they could call like a moho look where it's just it looks like people who aren't quite sure how to interpret the tools in a way that brings it up to that next level this is all very inside baseball boring stuff but it is kind of like photoshop you can kind of tell when somebody's using photoshop or something's been photoshopped and it's just clearly the basics right like the difference between there's, no. a diff- there's between Lily and me on Photoshop. Like me, I'm often putting someone's head into some say. sort of fun mashup. That's the only way. And you okay, can like, so there see might the be outline me, you to me, and then no me to blending. like, you know, the next guy. Like, there's a lot of stages, so but I definitely see what you guy mean. above you, Lily. It's like there's whoever's the best, above. and then Lily. Yeah, right. And then way at the bottom. Well, Not you know, sure. like in Adobe Illustrator, it's like circle, pill shape two colors gradient and then there's the people it's like the mona lisa in illustrator you know what i mean it's all the same that's that's basically like the the that's any tool right you just the people who try to figure out how to use it i just like that i just like that it lets me do a lot quickly so that i can enable this weird little ocd thing i did and and had you come up with the idea of having hellboy sing a leonard cohen song Oh, that, well, that, have you guys seen this, Lily and Becky? It's so yeah. cool. It looks I'm an like, avid follower. It, it, like, all I'm imagining it's is Ron Perlman dressed as Hellboy singing <laughs> Leonard Cohen. Well I, made, no, well, I made that rig just because, like, essentially, like, there's this constant debate about how whether you can make animation styles look like the creator's style. So, you know, all these comic book artists um, that you, everyone loves, how can you actually make that a show? Like a so, like yeah, like if you if someone's like, oh, we want to make Todd McFarlane Spider-Man as a cartoon, there's not really that many ways to do that without spending bajillions of dollars. So 
that's what I like about this program is you can sort of lock the style in. So it was more like a dare, to be honest. And then someone on after that tweet went crazy, uh, somebody said, hey, you should make him singing something. Like, I think maybe they even suggested the song. I'll check it out. Can you like explain a, what a rig is? To oh, yes. So, like, with animation, you either draw every frame, right? I think most people know about that. Like, it's just, like, 24 frames or 12 frames or whatever frames a second. With a rig, you're essentially drawing one drawing in uh, uh, and then attaching, like, handles and, and the ability to move it around. So instead of drawing... I'm trying to think of the, the most concise way to explain it. So it's like but a puppet? Like you're building a skeleton exactly. for a puppet? A puppet's a better, it's a skeleton for a puppet. That's a much better way to explain it. So, you, you're, so instead of having to draw like 50 people or 50 drawings to make someone say hello, you draw the head and the body and then draw one mouth and then morph the mouth. Like an animatronic. It's, it's animatronic. It's totally, it essentially looks like how those, like, uh, those Disneyland machines look. You know, it's like a skeleton and it kind of moves around. And you have like a spine. It's like you ever see the 3D rigs and you see them pulling the handles around and the mouth going mm-hmm. big and small and the eyes are open and close. It's essentially that. It's so much simpler than it sounds. It's literally just it's like a it's like you're, you know how they make South Park where they put like pieces of paper on a, and they down shoot <laughs> they shoot down on a flat plane. It's just that, but super high tech. Oh, you know, that's really, that's really cool. I don't feel um, like- Explained it very well. So, uh, <laughs> uh, if we could just tease out uh, one of your shows, because I uh, or you, uh, one one of I mean things will come up at different times, but Final Space on TBS, which you directed the your exact title of that is the oh, supervising director. Supervising director. So you were kind of like the overarching director of that whole look of that show and and the story and the execution of the story, right? Well, uh, we got to give a credit to the, the uh, art director Devo too. Like it's uh, you know the the stuff that I was more in charge of is like how cinematic it felt in camera and tone and that kind of stuff. Well, it, it, it does feel cinematic. It's a, it's like, it's like you had said when we talked before that it's a space opera and, uh, um, Becky's husband, Vlad, who's always gives me little coaching on my scribbly little animations always talks to me Perfect. about, uh, always talks to me about ha- making a character act, right? right? Like, like that, that, you know, the facial expressions, the movement. And one of the things that I love about, Final Space is not just that it's funny, it's got a tremendous sense of humor, but it's got tremendous heart, it's got tremendous acting moments and drama. And um, uh, one of the moments in drama is is the death of a, well, I, spoiler alert for anyone, mm-hmm. everyone should watch this show, but the death of, of Avocado. Avocado. Uh, uh, who is this grizzled, I don't know if it's bounty hunter type or, or yeah. exact a bounty hunter type who be, ends up befriending our, our main character. And then in the end, um, the main character has to be the shepherd of Avocado's little, little kid. Little Cotto. Little Cotto. But here is you took like a, a Chewbacca-like character and you had to kill him off and it had to have stakes and had to be significant. How do you, as a supervising director, working with that whole team, bring in the drama to something that someone flipping on the television, like someone going to see this does not see going to see, like if I'm going to see Coco, I know there's going to be drama. There's right. an expectation there. If I'm on yeah. TBS and I'm watching an animated movie with a tiny little glowy space thing, I'm expecting it to be kind of funny. <laughs> but here you are bringing drama into this. How do you pull all that together? Well, one of the reasons that I took that job or one of the reasons I wanted to take that job was um, because David and Owen, the, the um, showrunner and creator, they basically sort of said we want to make 
you know, a, a primetime cartoon, but like Christopher Nolan doing a primetime cartoon. And so, you know, that's, a, <laughs> that's obviously so cool. a huge, um, no I'm pressure. Not hit it. But no, no, but I mean, it was like the, as a, as a challenge, it was an interesting one. So, and, and to me, what you're, I guess what you're asking is like, if you, if you want the audience to be ready for some drama, you just have to treat the whole thing a little bit more, I think, cinematically and seriously than, and than your usual, um, cartoon. So like, Bojack uh, was something else I worked on was like super um, it leaned on the sitcom tropes to then trick you into a really amazing sort of dark, deep exploration into like depression and all this kind of stuff. So that was using the style of the show to kind of take you in one direction. It's like, hey, we're just having fun here. I caught you, you know, and then Final Space is the other way where it was we were trying to make sure that there was enough cinematic storytelling throughout so that when we wanted to introduce like a slow motion musical montage like the death of avocado um that episode was directed by ben bajelajak by the way and he's the season two supervising director um you you, we, we were ready for it because we didn't have to tell the audience like you can't switch gears from the simpsons to uh the simpsons doing chinatown unless that's the gag but it's not uh-huh. a seamless transition. It has to like hit a wall. You do Chinatown, you come back out of it. So we had to be ready so that the show felt like that was like that the whole time. So we were, you know, um, we, we were really big on trying to treat the animatic process how they do the feature. And I don't know the, the difference usually between TV and movie story time is that um, the only person who would would be Becky in this whole group. <laughs> well, then I'll, I'll, and barely. Well, then Becky might be a good. You, you tell me if I'm getting too. Uh, inside on this stuff but like i mean in a boring sense but um essentially when 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 you make tv usually have a script that's super tight and you just put what's on the script you make it and every you know you hit every note and it's they almost like edited together the boards based on the jokes so it's just like highlight the joke highlight the joke highlight the joke highlight the joke so on final space it was really great because we got the opportunity to treat the story department like um a feature which is let's try the sequence and go through and see if it works and then massage that a little and massage that a little so does it feel warm does it because you can't plan to make something emotional and warm you have to kind of know that's the goal and then chip away at it so, so does that mean that you guys had more time in the story phase of production than you would in a typical tv show no, the, the, the consolation was to go faster. So uh, the way that we did it was to, we had the directors, and, and this happens sometimes, I don't want to make it sound like it's some amazing new process, but the directors thumbed the whole episode really fast. And then the idea was that that meant they had a real clear idea of the show already in their head. Because some shows will like have, a, the director will have an idea and then hands chunks out to storyboard artists. Mm-hmm. And then the, each storyboard artist does a, cu- a few minutes, you know? But what you get is sometimes very disjointed um, animatic. Uh, and, it, and that's why the style sometimes gets so tight because they're like, if we keep the style so consistent, then you don't have to worry about storyboard artists interpreting it differently. So this was like the director interprets it, and then the board artists can really sing on their camera and their acting. Um, and, and that basically is, was how we did it. So we just essentially tried to do it twice as quickly. So we had twice as much time. So the, and, and then by the way, I have to give credit. We had, um, Jamfield, the Toronto, Toronto studio or Ottawa studio, uh, who were so, so, so good. And so we were able to keep the boards a little bit more loose, a little bit more fluid, and then not spend the time tightening it up to this unbelievable degree so that final space could kind of let their animators fill in some of those blanks too. So essentially we just, took out the polish phase, you know? All right. I also think with rigging, because again, back to rigging, with rigging animation, it's sometimes wasted effort to go too clean. 
I'm sure a lot of people will roll their eyes at me, but, um, or I, a lot of people might agree with you. Yeah. I love just a, that's just like a silly part of it. I mean, I'm not going to speak for my husband, but he's, he, whenever he has to polish stuff, he kind of just like rolls his eyes a bit and he's like, okay. <laughs> he works in CG too. It's like, it's like, yeah. uh, the, the, these like world-class sculptors are like, Oh, thank you. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's handled. So yeah. no, I, I think like acting and expression, I've never seen, I, I, I see that the loose storyboard artists get better performances. You know, they like make people draw cooler keyframes. I, I think Vlad would, I think Vlad would definitely agree with you whenever, whenever he has to, to do that kind of polishing, he usually is like, oh, it's probably for the, probably just want something for the art book. Like <laughs> they make, they make art books at the end of every yeah, film. I like they it. just be content for the art book. No. Well, that's but, why I thought I saw the Spider-Verse storyboards and they were super loose. And I was pretty impressed about that. They were like, like crazy loose. I, I was, I was, oh, and, and by the way, I'm a, like, and I'm in, I'm, that's not a criticism. Like, I thought it was great. I thought they were, um, I'm sorry, when thought, did so, you see those storyboards? They were just people, I, I don't know, I follow every hashtag about something I like. Probably, so it'll be so like storyboard like artist from it. Yeah, just happened upon. Yeah. So it isn't like it isn't like Lord and Miller had you over their house to look at storyboards. No, no but I did get to see, uh, uh, wait, can I say this? I've, I've seen the all My the, like, answer is yes. Storyboards. I always just say yes. You can say anything I have a really, want. really, I have this awesome, generous producer friend who, um, always invites me to the kind of like test screenings when it's kind oh, of that's so 20% cool. and the rest boards. So I take my son, my son's hilarious with his film critique. It's he's the best. Like I just bring him so he can like ask his questions at things like, um, do you think that like the character's motivations are like, you can really see him practicing. Whoa. Things, like, he, he's he, what is he? He's the kid who goes like, Oh, I'm trapped in a, what did he say the other day? I'm trapped in an ocean of incompetence. And I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm swept up in the ocean. And I was like, okay, what's incompetence? He's like, I don't know. What's swept up? He's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Ask permission like, to leave his bed. This sounds like the best oh. kid ever. So, so this this is a good set. This is a good connection to then. Like one key question we wanted to ask you, which we just came off posting our holiday episode. We asked people their top five films of the year. We have an actual oh. feature. Um, we have a we have a filmmaker here with us here, other than Becky, who is a filmmaker. Yeah. But and someone don't use that term with me. Becky I'm makes, a producer. Be- Becky makes documentaries, though. You make stories. Sure. I make um, nonfiction content. So, but that's huge. So, two. It is huge. Your your top. A... What were your top five films of the year? And was one of them Spider Man into the Spider Verse? Can we do it the other way, where you? Because I here's my whole problem is like everyone's like, "What's your top five movies?" And then they say, "I'm like, that was this year." That exactly. Was this year? Our okay, whole so, holiday episode so that we just posted were... yesterday is all about the fact that none of us remember any of the movies this year except what we saw this past month. But we all. But Favorite. but. Sorry. My favorite? Yeah, the movie The Favorite. That's the last that's, one I saw that I love. That is I one that I said that. that I wanted to see that I would love, and Shy gave me a lot of crap. But right. no, but it just really seems very like, downtown happy to me. Clansman was, was at the top good. of our list. Spider Verse at the top of everyone's yep. list. Wait, and what was the first one you said? Sorry. Black Clansman. Oh, yeah, that was good too. Yeah, I love Spike Lee. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the, the, the top <laughs> ones, that's the consistent top ones in our family were. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, Spider-Man yeah. of the Spider-Verse, Black Klansman, yeah. and Black Panther. And then all of us had a fifth one. Mine was Super Troopers 2. Um, yeah, my, my list included Free Solo and American Animals. That was right. on my list. And Lily's had... Simon. 
And Love, Simon and Lily had tag and... I love tag. I but, don't know. But <laughs> the four that I and just mentioned And the favorite, but I haven't seen were, it yet. The four that I mentioned <laughs> to you were... I would say Black yeah, Hat, Black, Black, Black Panther, and Spider-Man were the were like the big yeah. winners in our family. All right. And did you make right. a face about Bohemian Rhapsody? Like you didn't like it or you didn't no, see it? No, I didn't see it. I didn't oh, see okay. it. Fa- well, I was trying to think of what I'd make a way. You said something that I might make a face to. What was the one? Oh, oh. Did you see, did you say solo, Becky? No, no, free, no free solo. solo. This is oh. happens in our family every time we sit down for a meal. Not solo. Shai's always like, so you saw Solo for free? I'm like, no. It's a movie called Free Solo. It's a documentary about a rock climber. But that's I would say, oh, if you want to touch great. a sensitive nerve in our family, <laughs> debate whether oh. or not. My wife has banned us from debating the movie Solo at this point. Oh, no. Why? Because our such parents are like, you know how they, they say, no, just listen, at like Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas dinners and stuff like that, yeah. they recommend not talking politics with your family <laughs> yeah. because somebody yeah. could like lose an eye or stop speaking oh, wow. to each other. In our family, you have to be very, to tread very lightly on like certain Bauban uh, short films or about certain Star Wars movies. You got to be real careful which direction you take. So just, we're not our band from talking about the Han Solo solo movie. Because yeah, our parents loved it. And our parents loved it. They begged us to see it. They, we made a whole night out of it. We watched it in this fancy screening room on our vacation. It was a terrible screening room. But, but it was You fancy. couldn't even see the screen. It doesn't matter. It was bad. The, well, the once point you see is, the movie at Pixar, Becky, everything's the, a bad screen the, the, the point is, is that I would say, I mean, I, I didn't want to like it, and I didn't oh. like it. And... Oh. And I put it this way. I liked it. I, I thought it was fine fan fiction, but like my parents had built it up and they had made it sound like it was really, really good. And I, and the only thing I liked was Darth Maul's appearance at the end. Anyway. And then sometimes your parents want to like set you up. Like they're like, Oh, I finally got ahead of something that my kids would like. Yeah, and then they 100%. show it to you. And, like, what the hell and then I think, I don't know about for Lily, but for myself, I'm a little bit like, Ugh, it's like I don't want to take Shy's side too much because then it'll upset my parents. And I don't <laughs> want to That's why I haven't seen my the Batman one. I don't want to get upset Shy, and I really just don't want anyone to talk to me about it. Like just yeah, and, my, and every time I tried to talk about it, my wife would be like, "Nope, sorry, never, never want to hear about this movie ever again." And I'm new, not even going to tell you if I liked it. That. See, because I don't like talking about movies like that sometimes because I often find that when people bump on a movie that isn't very good. They bump on it and then go on some terrible rant about. So like the internet took what was wrong with say like the Last Jedi, and turned it into like an anti-feminism, anti-bullshit, anti-politics thing. When you're like, no, 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 you bumped on it and you are just a misogynist, for example. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so they take like what they take the bump and then run with whatever their political thing is. And I'm like, no, they just broke character. It's like, pretty yes, simple. It's just a, it's just not <laughs> it's just a great like reason to. You know, billions so, of fans. So, in, yeah. fair, in fairness to Solo, I loved Alden Unrichstein or whatever his name was. I thought he, I thought he was fine. Like, uh-huh. I enjoyed. I wasn't I, convinced. I didn't. I enjoyed him in it. I don't. I mean, I don't think that role should have been recast. I don't think that movie should have been made. Considering that I don't. Think I have movie, no problem with it being. There are certain things I think where if they I've could learned CGI, that, they should just CGI Harrison Ford's face. He's the only Han Solo. Just give him a little makeup. 
no, put a backpack here, on him. I, I would propose, I'll believe I would, he's 16. I, I would propose this. I'd rather see Mike make a great animated story ah, that's as well, good that's, as Spider-Verse yeah. than, than see them try to sort of cash in on Han Solo because people think Han Solo's cool. That's thinking see, outside the box. I like that. My my life's like like you can mark this down if you you know care or whatever that I will I'll say I want to make an animated Superman and an animated Fantastic Four for those exact reasons. Great. So like like the, like I, everyone's like Green Ooh, you can make good Supermans and you're like you absolutely can you just can also make bad ones you know so like so because Solo to me is like you know how I knew that movie wasn't going to be good because in the original trailer he goes all I've ever wanted to be was a pilot. And I want to be the best pilot. And you're like, no, that's not Han Solo at all. Han Solo almost resents that piloting is the thing he's good at. He's fell into his life. If he isn't like, I've never known what I wanted, that's the character. Maybe I'll be a pilot. Maybe I won't. And the movie then goes on to skip everything that would have been the journey to him becoming a good pilot. So he steals a car, and then suddenly you have to believe he's a good pilot. He's the best pilot in the galaxy. I knew that was the movie was going to be bad when he said that three times in the fight. The, you know, the like, trailer. I was like, you know that scene where he's like, "What's your name?" He's like, "Well, I've always been on my own." You know, he's like, and then yeah. they call him so like, he, he's like, "Hey, what's your name, son?" He's like, "Oh, sorry, I wasn't listening. I had my thumb up my butt." All right, hand thumb up your butt. <laughs> you know, like it's like what he said in that moment. Well, What's going to be his name forever is the weirdest thing ever. Well, it's like when they, it's you know, lazy. Wait, who's it's lazy raised, story. It's lazy storytelling. It's, it's like lazy writing. Jedi. Who's raised parentage? Like, where is she from? Where, how does she get to be such a badass Jedi? Nobody. She's a nobody. It's <laughs> can I, lazy. Can I give you my pitch for, for the opening when, when, Taunt, when Luke Skywalker got the uh, lightsaber in Last Jedi? Speaking of that. Yeah. He yes, should, if he looked, he, he grabs he the He should have right? killed that, like, weird milking alien. Just no, like a, oh, he should have killed Ray. Like, cut her head off. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's like I get on this weird, like, anti, like, feminist rant of all of a sudden. Like, who's this Mike guy? The uh, uh, just because there's so much misogyny around that whole story. But imagine in the whatever. Oh, oh. First of all, I will say that I, I say that joke that that's the most sexist movie in the so they've made so far because they denied a woman her Jedi training montage. There's like a Jedi. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I actually. So here, I'll tease that out further, and I'll say. I believe that in their effort to make her no one, they they stripped a character that I was no one. so interesting. Yeah. And in the end, I'm like, what? So she's just like got superpowers? Like yeah. she's just like a superhero? Not really how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I Wait, hate... So I want to know your I want to know your pitch. So oh yeah, yeah. Okay, the, okay. the lightsaber. And he looks at it for like a few seconds, right? And and he looks at her and he goes, "Where were you?" And she's like, "What? What, what do you mean?" He's like, "Where were you?" He's like, oh God, I'm up. already so much more enthralled than when I was yeah. watching the movie. I have been calling you in your head since you were a kid. You oh heard my voice. I have full oh. body chills. And then he goes, and then he goes, and she's like, what? Well, why didn't you, you know, I don't know how the, this is the clunky version, but like, why didn't you come and get me? He's like, if I left this island, I knew that I was on the path to making Kylo Ren the most powerful Sith oh. If I left here, it would have created that. The only way was to bring you here, and you were too weak to get here before I had to watch my friend die through your eyes, which is the whole oh, like full body chills. Oh, chance. wow. Already goes, I hope then, everyone's listening to this. Then Here's he this. takes this. the lightsaber, throws it into the water. He goes, you're going to have to get that back. Let's mm -hmm. get to work. Oh. You start the hardest 
Kill Bill 2, Top of the Mountain. Oh, my uh, God. Little Kid in there. Loving it. Whatever. And, and, it, and it should have been like – because here's the other thing about that movie. It's like – Oh, oh, you want to hear my pitch for the intro? Is this bad? Like, are we off on a too much of a... No, this is, I mean, this, is the, whatever. this is the official this is mic drop of The Last Jedi. Actually, this like, is, you doing this... This is therapy for shy. You're saving me. him hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Okay, so. well, check this out then. So, so, so I, I always like to, by the way, my criticism, I've always heard like, you know, when you see those online essays and then someone goes, here's what I would have done. Then they just redo it. You can't do that. Like, you have to kind of pretend to work within the confines of, because you don't know what the the must-dos were, right? Like, that's what I was like. I'll, I'll tell you a funny thing about what I think about Spider-Verse because I think the Spider-Verse was a must-do from the studio because the story works without the Spider-Verse. And it actually, you know, it just as well. I agree so I with you in the... the, the must, you know? The, the criticisms... Which, like, I I went to see it again for a second time in Spanish with my husband because right. um, they only show movies here in that language, and so um, and and I to be fair, that's well, his Miles is Latino, right? Yeah. And and look, it would have been hard for him to catch all the jokes in uh, just hearing it in English with no subtitles, so it's fine. And like as we're leaving the theater, I was like, oh my god, what do you think? And he was like, well, I was like, okay, I'm just full warning. <laughs> We are married, and I just I just like, and I don't know why, but I, whatever you say next, I'm gonna take personally. I don't know why. No, no, I, I get. I'll tell and, you. We'll get. We'll get to that after. I don't want to hurt you. It won't hurt you with what one I, like criticism was that it was like, ugh, did I need like all that other? The story was everything was so good. I didn't really need all that other stuff. Like all those no, other no, guys. You know, there is one thing that I bet I could make you go. Oh yeah, Aunt May Alfred. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I knew it. So they yeah. dug out a hundred by hundred foot underground pit. When I saw it the with, second with the time, I I noticed it. So I, I was like, I, weird. That I just doesn't accept, make it a bad movie. I just accepted yeah. that as that was this version of the Spider Verse, right? Like they'd already see the Bruce Wayne Wayne version. Then, do you see what oh. I mean? Like I didn't. Have a I, I if they went, come on, Spider Man here lives in Wayne Manor and. Aunt May is, you know what I'm saying? That, I would have been 100% on board. I'm just like, how does, how do, with no money, how do you dig out an underground pit in, oh, and in live Queens. in Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, but that's overthinking. No question. Okay, so, so last, last, let's talk about Spider Verse because I want to know if I sound like a cynical jerk about Spider Verse because I absolutely adore it. But, um, uh, okay, so Spider Verse. Uh, I mean, Last Jedi. Right. Poe flies in, right? And you know how they have that stupid phone call? Oh, yeah, what yeah, if, the FaceTime thing. Yeah, he's like, hey, it's Poe Dameron, um, I'm, and I'm holding for Oh, yeah, officer. that opening scene, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. so bad. But check this out. So he flies in, same setup, one ship, and they're like, Captain, there's just one ship off the front. He's like, hey there, uh, I, I don't know who I'm talking to right now. My name's Poe Dameron. I'm from the Rebel Alliance, or whatever they're called. Um, I just want you to know, I'm going to fly on your deck. I'm going to shoot all your guns down. I'm going to blow up your shield generator. And then after that, when you're defenseless, my bombers are going to come in. They're going to drop all your shit on and and um, blow your whole Star Destroyer up. Just want to let you know, because I'm a badass, then flies on the deck. Kind of the same whole thing, right? And they're like, holy shit, we weren't ready for one fighter. So you sort of – he calls his shots, right? And he set up this great like thing where he's such an arrogant shit. And his plan's working really well. They're like – Sir, we never we didn't plan for one ship to fly on the deck because that's essentially what he does, right? He goes in and clears out all the guns. Mm-hmm. And then, so then they they blow that all up and the bombers come in, and then all of a sudden, this thing happens where they um, a couple of the bombers start blowing up, and then you realize, and then you cut to I, I'm probably not describing it the best, but you cut to the bridge and you see that Princess Leia is like set up, and they're like, 
wow, this was a risky plan, but it's working. And then um, all of a sudden, people burst onto the bridge of that ship with, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Benicio del Toro. Oh, okay. And, and then they go, we found a saboteur. He's been giving the codes to the uh, whatever. Then across the thing, you start to see that another couple of ships fly in, and then the plan starts to go wrong, and then the bombing run screws up. See what I mean? So, like, then they, they have uh, – you have a way that he can clear off the deck, do his – he's amazing. He wasn't endangering all these pilots. It was a good plan. He just didn't know there was going to be a saboteur, right? Then when you you're, – You're maintaining the character's integrity. Exactly. He's, he's a badass mm-hmm. who takes risks, but his risks have always worked. They're always one step ahead. He's got a plan for everything, but he couldn't account for Benicio del Toro. And the reason you do that is because then later, when they're like, we need to figure out a way to like stop the thing, uh, they're in, um, in the jail on the ship with Benicio del Toro. And he goes, actually, I know how to help you guys if you pay me. So what I mean is like you, you basically make the loop make his- of that Benicio del Toro internal in the ship. He was a saboteur. Then he's on the brig of that ship. You don't go to that stupid casino planet at all. And then you don't. You no. don't. Then you know why? Then what about that? the horse camels? Uh, you How would you have camel. those in the movie? Because I would say, like, like <laughs> in the future, it's like we've invented everything except jerry cans. You know what I mean? Like, get gas, bring gas back. Like what? What? I don't. Anyway, the fuel thing. But but no. But you see what I mean? Like I want. I would want the whole thing to to have it so that you can set these characters up and have them pay off. So Benicio del Toro has been there the whole time, and he then helps them. I don't know. Turn off the whole friggin' uh, uh, thing that tracks them or whatever it is. You know, you just you just these movies need to set up these characters to be singular you know like think of like han solo was han solo from the first second you saw him to the last thing he did in return of the jedi never broke character like the worst thing you say with a star wars movie is the timelines don't work in return of the or empire strikes back you know like like luke is on that planet too short to learn to be a jedi you know like how long were they yeah. flying to get I, or whatever and these are the kinds of things yeah Oh, all right. Well, let's. I've I've already liked the Mike Roberts cut of the Last Jedi more than for sure. Original. I mean, all right. Like Let, you, yeah. I let's mean, get to. Let's, let's, hopefully, let's JJ a of... can can clean this all up. <laughs> well, let's see. I'd love to think he could. Oh, and one more thing. How did it not end on the hand thing? Grabbing the hands. Come with me. The end. That's how that movie should have ended. Kylo Ren reaches out. Ray reaches out. Their hand. Mm-hmm. And, you and you don't know right. And you don't know what's going to happen, right? How could it not end like that? What the hell, guys? Oh, wow. So, all right, so Spider-Verse. When Becky saw Spider-Verse, she saw it with a bunch of animators. Like, just my husband. Oh, I thought... thought, thought, No, no, I had seen it at... His friends saw it at Pixar. His friends had all seen it at Pixar. and, um, And we were being encouraged to go see it by a whole bunch of animators, specifically by one animator, Trevor. That's who I spoke to. And cool. what you said, folks said, is that this was unlike anything they'd seen before. Yeah, they were all just like, "Well, never seen that before. That's pretty damn exciting." Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So we went to a seat on my birthday. Sorry, do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to talk about? No, I just wanted to know the reaction. Then I want to hear what Mike has to say about. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, I think I want, to see, I want to hear. My, well, no, I just so from his world and his group of friends, everyone was like really excited about it, which is weird because. It's not that they're not excited about animated films, but it's like, you know, when you're part of like the process. I feel like, and yeah, I feel like it's and, like, um, and I think 
And I think that, the, you know, a lot of these guys are are wonderful storytellers and writers and directors in their own right. And, you know, they work on these very exciting, uh, amazing movies, but they're like kids movies. And they I think they they want to like an they, iron they, chef going out for dinner. Right. Like they yeah. like seeing things they that are really edgier, well. different, that push the envelope. And right. so to kind of have all of this enthusiasm from them, I was like, all right, you're making a pretty good case for going to see a cartoon on my birthday. So <laughs> I have to say, I probably wouldn't have gone if all of those guys didn't say we should see it. So, but wait, you know, and, so and, and, movies. and hmm? you liked it too? I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I like law. I was like literally losing my mind while I was watching it. I was having so much fun. I don't remember the last time I saw a movie and I was like having fun yeah. and feeling sad that I knew it was going to end and I'd never sure. be able to experience it again for the first time. Yeah. And so like while I'm I was watching it, I was that. sad that I'm like, this is the only time I'll see it for the first time. And then since seeing it, I have been trying to go see it again, which is like a little difficult to coordinate getting out to go see it. And I, and I like keep checking movie times to find out like how long <laughs> it's going to be playing in my neighborhood because I'm like, worried it's going to go out of the theaters before I can go see it again. That's how much I liked it. All right. No, that's good. I mean, cause I, it, it, what, one of my things I liked about it selfishly is that I felt like me and, and Ben and a couple other people in final space were like banging the drum so hard that, just because Final Space is going to be funny and this interesting thing doesn't mean we can't. Doesn't mean we shouldn't try to make the compositing and the feel of the thing really high end and lots of really big kind of. We, we took a lot of big swings on um, cinematic things like um, depth of field and lighting and rim lights and all this kind of stuff. So it was really nice to see sort of uh, the industry that, and I feel like that is a frustration that a lot of people who work in animation feel. This kind of like we have all this ability, like you look at Instagram, right? And you see all these um, um, design work that they're doing for all these movies. And they're these amazing artists with all these different techniques and splashing color and all this kind of stuff. And you see the final movie and it's awesome, but it's really clean and tidy. And Spider-Verse to me was such a revelation because it felt like all the design work that you see on Instagram and all those art books happening on the screen. Mm -hmm. Rather than art book come to light. It was the well, I, I wanted to ask you experimentation. So wait, I have a question. Oh. No, I want to ask Mike a question. So as a director, what I couldn't wrap my brain around is how does the director or the and or the production designer communicate to the teams which style is going to be used when? Well, like okay, there's I, so many styles. Like it's not accidental. Like how well, do they figure that out? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying I don't, I don't actually know. But what I would guess is yeah, that it started out as this. Um, I would guess that they started out going, "Let's make a living comic book," right? And everybody agreed with whoever executive was on board for that. And then they went, "Okay, but what he really means, or what she really means, is let's go goddamn berserk." So, like, because I know that they had a really, really good production designers who were drawing things, putting Letratone in places. They were sort of taking all the tropes of comic books and instead of literally using them, it was like, well, no, let's they were try. exploding them and yeah, elevating them. them. And yeah. it, it was, but it was even little things like, like, okay, they could, like, if you, if you're, if you're working on a production for three years and you say, hey guys, let's do classical animation frame rate. In a, in a feature, which you've seen a million Can times you, in like you just explain that to the just public? Sure. Whoever, the For the listener, record, I have explained it to you. Before, uh, no, I, I understand. <laughs> no, I not, I understand what it is, but other people in generally don't. Okay, sure I think you guys, just, I understand what it is. I just, 
wanted to, so, I wrote a note to remember to ask you this at that moment, because it's a very cool part of the movie. And I think that people can appreciate the movie a lot more if they understand it. Well, so the, the quick, the quick answer is when they started doing animation, they would do, you know, when they essentially, when they figured out what frame rates were in film, it was either, you know, it was, I think it was 24 real early on, but 24 was this kind of, um, bridge between economy and what your eye could see. So 24 was essentially a very sympathetic frame rate where your eye goes, I like that, it's aesthetically pleasing, but not enough frames that they have to print hundreds of thousands of feet more of film, right? Because if, if you go between 24 and 30 frames per second in film, you're talking about another whole reel of film. So there's an economical aspect to it. And I'm talking like way, way back. So, so once they kind of established that with animation, they started drawing it, they started realizing that you could get away with 12 drawings per second, which was just like an economy thing. Bambi. Bambi, but even, let's, let's just for argument's sake, like Steamboat Willie, you know, right. I, I think that they right. were realizing, and I don't actually don't know off the top of my head if that was on twos, but it became really, they, but yes, Bambi, for example, be, they became really uh, aware that two drawings per, uh, two frames per drawing was still very um, aesthetically pleasing. No one was ever going to go like, oh, it's not, it's not every frame. So that became how animation was made. And then they got into essentially, um, and they would do ones, you know, like fa they call it ones like fast action is every single frame because sometimes it gets a little stroby. Do you ever see like in a film where they pan really quickly? And sure. it almost looks like mm -hmm. it's going click, 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 mm -hmm. even in live action. That's because 24 frames per second sometimes breaks down, which is where you get guys like Peter Jackson, like arguing for 48 frames per second, which I think looks insane. But um, makes people but, I don't like so, the way yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So, so the classical animation frame rate is, you know, uh, the, for argument's sake, classical animation is on twos, they call it, which is two drawings per, it's two, two, two drawings, two frames per drawing. God, I'm not saying it very well. So in, in 24 frames, you have 12 drawings. So it's twos. Ones is one frame per 24. Fours is four. Anyway, so in Spider-Verse, what they did is they leaned way into it. And they were like, let's finish the animation. Because, by the way, like that's all in the computer. The computer is infinite frames, right? They're, when they're animating him walking around, you could render it out at 60 frames per second. But they, were, they said, how would we draw this? Let's represent each uh, frame with the equivalent classical animation frame. So when people say, ooh, it looks choppy and sloppy, that's the very deliberate choice to make it move uh, properly through the space to represent classical animation. But, but then they don't always use They don't always use No, because like if, they, if he's going super fast, they, it's not a, this is what I mean, it's not a rule. It's like they can, the great thing right. is they can do it as well, much as they In want. the movie, when you're watching it, there's some parts that just seem so overly real. Right. compared to others and back to Beck's question of how do you think like or how would you have chosen communicated okay well this scene should be twos and let's like yeah well that, that that's what one I, person that's, deciding that or is this like a committee of like 15 people well it's always it's always a big group actually it's funny I, I met Peter Ramsey at uh, uh he was he voted at the same voting place as me and I was like oh my god I know you from Twitter anyway but he probably thought I was a maniac but anyway so um <laughs> The uh, 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 it, 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 I think it's it's a to me those kinds of things are everyone saying a thing that represents the same idea. So if someone says let's do it classical animation frames, right? Then someone else goes, ooh, if we're doing classical animation frames, why don't we split the RGB channels like we're looking at it with 3D glasses? Oh, okay. Well, if we're going to do that, why don't we spray some of this out here to look like paint splatter? Ooh, well, this artist that we just hired does this weird thing where the eyes look a certain way. Why don't we try that? And then it becomes this snowball effect of 
what fits with where we're going, what completely changes the process. You know, well, let's let's do all because I noticed sometimes the the shadows on the skin would have that. Um, what I don't know what they call it, Letratone, I want to say, like comic book, you know, the dots. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Process. The, well, the, yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, that was another thing that I have written down that I wanted to ask you what you thought of the Bende dot throughout the entire, those, the, the comic book strip dots. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what they're right? called? The Bende dot. Yeah. You mean just and, in the shading, right? In the color? Exactly. And yeah. now originally they all were made of all those dots. Yeah. Right. And then. Now they don't need to obviously use the that technique. Oh, you mean and, comic I mean, books? in comic books? Yes, in comic books, not yeah, movies. Yeah, in comic books, no, that is a call out, a shout out to comic books. That, totally, you know, that's yeah. not a film thing or an animation thing. It's a comic book thing. Um, but it's also to me a high art thing because you yeah. know, Diane and I mean, it's sure. the Bende dot is so you know famous in terms of how it's been re-represented in like high art stuff. Totally. And seeing it in the movie throughout the whole movie was that's a style choice that's pretty consistent in the film. Also the cross hatch. Yeah. But all of like though they were cross hatches on like I noticed the second time. Go see it twice just because you can like then look at all the fun artsy things. And um the roommate, for example, had the cross hatch, uh kind of like that shading as well. I think that's what I think that's what you're referring to. Um and it was moving as he moved. As yeah, like yeah. its own separate thing, and it, it it's very obvious. And like those are serious stylistic choices. But I think it's um, as easy as everyone being on the same page about trying stuff. And then like it could literally have been someone going, you know, it would be cool. We could do like a comic book, and everyone's got the bende dots on the shading, and everyone goes, "Whoa, that sounds really hard." And then someone makes the decision to not let it being hard stop you from doing it. So like I think all these decisions get made by people throwing in great ideas and having leadership who knows which ones to ignore and which ones to really dive into. So yeah. then it's, what's that? But oh, my, no, no. My, my, so wait, on that? Wait, just, did you like that? Oh, I loved it. No, I thought that was, I, I, I so, so story-wise, like, like I actually think like Miles Morales gets his spider powers from getting bit in that awesome scene in the graffiti thing. I love that scene so much mm-hmm. with his uncle and he's Spider-Man. And then there is Spider-Man in his universe who then gets killed. But like he's not he's not there's no verse. So when so like you don't need the verse to explain Miles Morales because he has a Spider-Man. There's the young and the old. So I was watching this movie going like it almost felt like they made the movie and went shit. We we didn't need this verse thing, did we? Because the best stuff in that movie is young and old Spider-Man learning the road. And oh. you clearly no, that, but but Jenkins Peter Parker that. comes from a different verse because his Spider-Man but, is killed. Totally you didn't. He, you don't need the Spider-Man in his verse that dies. Is yeah, you saying. don't need the Spider-Man in his verse that dies. I and and by the way, but this is uh, don't confuse what I'm saying for me saying they should have done it like this. I'm just oh, saying no, but it's just interesting that you don't need it. Like story. I just think it's it's fun. Sorry to interrupt you. I just think it's fun to put janky hobo Spider-Man up to an old... Because otherwise, we don't have a reference for 40-year-old Spider-Man. So then we got a brief Chris Pine of, like, Spider-Man's perfect. Like Spider-Man He's, Prime? Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> Spider-Man perfect. Prime versus That's Spider-Man 20. probably the one that we would have known or oh, imagined. Yeah. And then that makes janky hobo even more fun. But this is part of the process of making the film that people talk about. So when you're saying, like, how do they come up with the dots on the skin, it's also, do we need the Spider-Verse? And that's an important conversation to have. 
So, so someone said to me, yeah, but the kids wouldn't like it as much if it didn't have um, Penny Parker. And I'm like, I don't really have a good argument against that. So then you start to go into why they made the decisions they did. See what, so see what I mean? Like, like so that's why the, that's why I like when movies are good because then there's no argument about whether it's good or bad. It's You're just, just getting into the, the layers. Cool. I yeah, mean, because I, 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 yeah, I don't need the other guys, but noir Nicolas Cage for the win. That was it's, it's funny gimmicks. It's great gimmicks. Right. Totally, and it's like but it doesn't like, carry the story. It's like saying, um, "Would uh, Despicable Me be better without minions?" And you're like, "No." But did you need the minions? No. Mm, you know, it. it's it's yeah. like that kind of a thing. The, so, like, my son wouldn't like the movie as much as the minions. But I also think, by the way, if they were working towards this dimensional shift, you could have squeezed in all that other Spider-Man, other dimensional action in that third act. Uh, fight and had all those gags come out. So it's like, whoa, where'd you come from? Where'd you come from? So you could still kind of have your cake and eat it too if that's what they were working towards rather than it being this like full schism. Because I, I feel like they painted themselves, oh, here's the other thing. And then this is what, this is the one thing I didn't like about it. Having them die if they didn't go back was an artificial timer because I would have loved to see old Spider-Man want to stay and realize why he couldn't. That would have been uh, like, oh, I don't, that would have been great. Like he should have said, "I'm staying. I don't have. I don't have to worry about. I don't have to deal with the guilt of Mary Jane. I can I maybe can... talk this one into not wanting kids. I can. T- you know what I mean? There's like he should have been. It should have been a darkness about his character that made him want to stay. Because if he has to go back, it's just a timer. It's it's literally like they could have just went. Oh my God, we have to timer. And then blah blah blah, right? You know, like there's no um, there's no reason for that. They're all it's artificial fall. stakes. Artificial stakes. What were we watching last night? Oh, Ghostbusters. My son saw Ghostbusters last night for the first time, and and Whoa, he's like, it's a huge and, deal. I know it was. It was pretty good. And he's like, why why can't they cross the streams? And I was like, stakes. <laughs> you know, like I was, and he, I knew it was like a word that would keep him quiet for a minute. Well, like so he could everyone could watch the movie. Otherwise, it was gonna be like, well. The idea is blah, blah, but it pays off later, and here's why they did You know, you can't, like, get into that with, in the, it, when everyone's watching a movie. But, but no, and that's what I mean. It's like, that's not a criticism of the movie, but, like, had they another six months, it would have been nice to have Peter. But Luke's. I think, so, yeah, it's part of an important conversation when you dig into story. And, uh, yeah. So, okay, so here's the thing. Being conscious of time and the fact that we – we brought you here to talk about, to defend, not even defend, but to talk to us about Mission Impossible 6, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which was your big recommendation last time. I'm going to truncate our Mission Impossible 6 conversation a little bit. This is going to make me so sad, but Be- fine. Well, no, but wait, was, it, was that a controversial pick? Was Mission Impossible 6 as a good No, 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 no. Oh, no. We all it. love it. It was terrific. Okay, Lily cool. calls it the best documentary she's seen all year. Yeah, all the all the all the stunts, all the stunts are real. Yeah, <laughs> the scene on the helicopter was like this is this is documentary footage. I agree completely. Yeah. When he's hanging I, from the helicopter, I was like, this I, is just what happened. I feel like uh, like obligatory watching is the special features yeah. of this yeah. movie Being because funny, the special I'm like annoyed none of much, that's all on YouTube. The, the special annoyed. features are are very much the like Tom Cruise. What's the word I'm looking for? Like very um, propaganda. Yeah, vanity. But, Yes, but at the same time, you're like, but he really deserves all this credit because he's Shoot. amazing. I took a screenshot of the scene when he jumps over the building. I paused the movie, took a screenshot, and sent it to both of you guys, or maybe just a shy. I don't remember because maybe you hadn't seen it yet, Beck. And it's the scene where he crushed, he broke his real ankle in that yeah. moment. I know it. Like don't right. take 
action stars like Tom Cruise anymore. No. I'm just going to say it. You have The Rock. You have Statham. But no but one here's the, functions here's, the way that... Here, here's the thing about Tom Cruise, though. So what, what, a, there's many things about Tom Cruise, but A, I want to talk about the whole concept of leadership on a set because I've heard him be interviewed before about how serious he takes being the top of the call sheet and how um, and in those documentary footage, I mean, in those featurettes, and granted, those are featurettes made about the executive producer to make him look good, but you see him kind of commanding the whole group and, and being working closely with the director. But when I think of Tom Cruise in the early days, I think of this heartthrob character. I don't think mm-hmm. of an action star. I no. feel like he evolved Evolved into an mm-hmm. action star, maybe even with the first Mission Impossible. Like it's not like Top Gun was he was doing action. He was no, sitting in a chair no. the whole time. But I, I think clearly he said, became, "I'm going to do this." He yeah, he clearly became an adrenaline junkie and yeah. was like, "Well, let's turn this into something, you know, worthwhile for everyone else." Totally. Uh, yeah, it's it's so, impressive. So, Mike, why why you why did why was that at the moment that you told us last time was like you're you know you were enthralled with that movie? What was the thing that made you enthralled with that movie? Well, I'd probably just seen it, which helps. It was like very on point, like in the in the moment. But also, like I uh, I remember my friend, this guy named Murray Bain. He he, he runs a studio in um, Nova Scotia, an animation studio called Copernicus, and he always said to me the problem. And I want I, I'll, I'll misquote him, but he basically said he wasn't sure about Die Hard because. Um, What's the character's name? John uh, McClane. John McClane was like too powerful. Like he always could get through it. I'm not sure if maybe I, I might be misquoting, but well, later diehard movies, that is the problem. Maybe that's early diehard. He's doing much better. But by the time that he's wrestling a Harrier jet, it's stupid. Right. So you're, you, I'm probably, I'm probably getting the timing wrong of how he said it, but yes, that's essentially it. So I, he always planted in my head, this notion of like a character has to be fallible. Or there's no character. So like, um, Indiana Jones shooting the dude with the gun because he doesn't want to get into a sword fight, like that kind of stuff, you know. Um, forgetting his hat; those are so important to making movies good that I think people forget about. Um, and that is what so like Tom Cruise in all of those movies after I think even in the first one, but definitely starting with number three and four. Every time he hurts himself, you believe the next stupid thing he does. So there's movies in that, like, there, there's things that happen in those movies that are... Because he's really hurt, apparently. <laughs> but also, like, you remind the audience that, like, you forgive things if... Um, you forgive things if the uh, moment is taken to address it. So so he's, he's riding this motorbike around the city, like, this is insane, this is insane, this is insane. If he just drove his motorbike into the, um, whatever that weird net was that went down into the sewer, you would have been like, okay, now what? But because he fell off the car... Mm-hmm. And jumped into the net, cut the hole, and jumped down. Now it was like he messed it up, but the plan doesn't seem so absurd anymore. You know, because you start going like, well, where is he driving? If the plan was to get picked up on that thing, why was he driving around for 20 minutes? Right. Like on the helicopter, he falls and smashes into that payload and is like, yeah. It's somehow down. that makes the whole stunt, the whole scene feel a little bit more. He's almost possible. Up. And almost falls down, and you're like, right. oh, well, if he can almost fall, then I guess it's real. And which it was, because it was real. It perfectly like an actual, like, Iron Man kind of. Yeah, well, and mm-hmm. Iron, so Mission Impossible 2 has the exact opposite problem. Oh, Everything that happens in that movie is choreographed in a way that could never happen, and there isn't, like, one tiny moment where they give you an idea that he could fall down. Mm-hmm. So then there's just no drama. Zero, zero, zero. So, so like, remember... Remember that I was watching it because I watched it. I rewatched Mission Impossible Six the other day. Remember at the end when he runs into his wife, 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a great is, part of that. Movie. Yeah, man. Amazing. That little two minutes of it's like, hey, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? And he realizes it's all a setup. He's mm-hmm. she's essentially like a singular hostage, you know. Uh, um, yeah. You know, like it's just this thing where you go like. Well, in the end, he's a good. The thing is that in the end of the day, he's a good actor. Really good actor. Like, yeah, I'm a huge Tom Cruise apologist. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I think like give me a break. He's a good actor. Well, and that's I think he's a great actor. So he can you buy it? Yeah, and like if he doesn't believe his own bullshit, then how is he a good actor? Like that's every time he does some crazy. Like, of course he thinks God gave him those powers because like what's the difference? Well, I think for him it's like an alien. So he's like beyond method. He's like one step beyond a method actor. No, no, I think that really is him in the movie. That's like right. what he's like he in real life. Like Hunt. They melded into one person. Sure, he just changed the name. I mean, like, I feel like so if I, so I would say like this, that. if I would say there's one, not that I know who Ethan Hunt was before Tom Cruise played him, but I will say the, the my favorite one in the in the series is Mission Impossible One. After okay. Mission Impossible One, I mean Six is definitely Very my true. second favorite. Um, yeah. But but after Mission Impossible 1, I feel like, and, and 2 kind of makes it a problem, I wonder what it would be like to just go back and never see Mission Impossible 2. It really just became Tom Cruise's star vehicle, and sure. Ethan Hunt and Tom Cruise, or either Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt is kind of inseparable the way there's Jason Bourne and Indiana Jones. This just became, uh, or, or James Bond, only not recastable and so whereas in the first one i felt like he was playing a little bit more with inside a universe and then yeah. beyond that they're just like okay these are just the mission impossible universe that tom cruise is in which no complaints i mean at this point i've seen more of the tom cruise mission impossible than I ever saw of the real show so well but then they don't have to compete with the kingsman they don't have to compete with like it's mm-hmm. more like they they i feel like they put the mission impossible movies up against james bond as like he's american james bond that was like yeah. the concession right. because because how do you make Mission Impossible one again? Like I love Brian De Palma and I love that movie, but he's the victim of that movie. Like the whole he's essentially like uh, in the he's running backwards the whole time. So there's right. no moment where and that's what I thought they did a good compromise in part three where they made him the victim of his wife's kidnapping. You know, so it was like they they knew that that was what made it work, and then then they said, you know what, fuck it, let's just make him this like. Um, what happens when someone is like crazy enough to run for five hours? To me, obviously, there's a difference between, let's say, five and six. Mm -hmm. I forget the other ones. The only one I I really remember is the one where they, somebody is somebody else and they pull their face off. That's like, but that's everyone. It's all of them. them. That's exactly my point. I like the one where he has the suction cups on the outside. Yeah. Right? Brad Bird. That's but, great. But, oh, Brad Bird, right. Okay, right. Okay, we saw that one a couple times in theaters once or twice. I thought this one was better. And not because, you know, Mike Roberts told me to see it. I just yeah. thought that this, I had more fun watching yeah. this one. And I don't know if it was, now that you're saying that whole thing about kind of making it a bit more believable, is it that he's matured? Like, is it all Tom Cruise just becoming this person more and more, and I believe, like, uh, him I'm, versus I'm, character? I'm, I'm going to throw, throw a proposition in there. I feel like it wasn't until this one that they, and, and it based on the featurette, it said Tom Cruise advocate for this, that they didn't truly try to tie together the movies. It felt like they were always, okay, we've got Ethan Hunt, we've got yeah. Ving Rhames, and then we'll just put an adventure around it mm-hmm. but like we hadn't seen his wife really in a couple of movies and and right. and this time i felt like they made an effort to actually make this part of a series as opposed yeah. to individual installments that were unrelated well, they were like, Good, great and, villain check 
Good action. Yeah, Check. but they were Unscored. cashing in on the work they'd done too. It's why it's right. why Infinity War is maybe not the best Marvel movie, but it's the one of the most satisfying ones. I, it's the only one I found actually interesting the whole way through. Infinity because, War. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was, like, it was such yeah. a payoff to a thing right. that had been happening. It was like it was like a not. It's like why you, you like the Harry Potter books more as they go, you know, or true. Maybe. But um, but but that's and that's the thing is I, I agree completely because Mission Impossible six like I liked five five is the one where they were in that underwater thing and I yeah liked that's the, all I remember is the underwater and oh, the, I like, remember the, the giant under, building the, is that also the Brad Bird one no no that's See, the same the director as six so I watch yeah I think Chris McQuarrie, Chris McQuarrie he's awesome I really like it. What were you saying? Yeah, you know, he only wrote a little thing like Sorry. Usual Suspects and then directed these movies. <laughs> yeah, so talented. He's 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 a, he's well up and coming. Blah blah blah. It's like it's like Shane Black's Iron Man's my favorite one. Well, it's not my uh, favorite, but it's but I really like it. And um, it's like oh, just Shane Black, you know, just him. It's like it's that. Kiss it's kiss like, bang oh, bang just, with just Iron Man. I it's funny what else is because like I always think like the the path to being a good director is you're a director. Or you're a really good writer because I, I you rarely see people who don't who aren't obsessed with story become good directors. And Chris McQuarrie is someone who can like clearly set up stakes, make them happen. Set up stakes, make them happen. Set up stakes, make them happen. Like I, I love generally. Well, and and like, Henry Cavill is such a red herring. Like you know he's the bad guy from the minute he shows up. There is no surprise there whatsoever. Uh, but the way they unfolded, I thought was really interesting and it's really neat. fun. Do you think yeah, like Cavill that... knew what he was signing up for when he said he'd be in this movie? Like, do you think he really understood he'd have to stand on that like terrifying rock cliff in like high winds, having a real fight because scene? I have I to say, until to you like, watch the, the featurette, you don't really believe that they're there. And I mean, you're like, ah, oh, it's a gimmick. Oh. And then I saw the thing, and I was like, what? I would 100 yeah. percent lose my job. They yeah, have to like, hire me. Yeah. But that's what makes the movie good, because like you're saying, like you feel like you're like. I know he lives, but I know he almost didn't is like a really interesting yeah. sort of story to tell. It's like why you, and no one goes to NASCAR because they're like, oh, I sure hope to get around the circle. They're like, someone died here once. That's just, that's what NASCAR is, you know? So like, how do you, how do you um, reconcile the feeling you have in a movie where you, you know, it's fake, but you want it to be real because everybody wants it to be real. Cause one of my biggest problems with um, my only real problem with black Panther was that the CG effects were, very CG at points. Yeah. That's what I said. I said there's a little friction. You eh. did say that, Lil. It's like, great, more special effects. I I will say, like, I love the first Avengers movie literally until they say, let's fight these aliens in New York. And then the last half hour is like, fine, have your fight. You're already friends. The movie's over. You know, like, that's (laughs) that's like... You're already Avengers. Came Yeah, like, you're Avengers now. The movie's over. That's, like, that's one of my big things. Like, like, I will say, like, I I saw Django Unchained the first time in the theater, and there was a fire alarm halfway through, and I loved it. And then the fire alarm went off. And then I never saw Candy shoot, or uh, whatever, Christoph Waltz shoot Candy until I rented it. And that's such a huge character break. That, like, the last, like, I love Quentin Tarantino, I love Django Unchained, but the last 30 minutes of that movie doesn't matter to me because <laughs> Christoph Waltz shot Candy, and it was a huge character break, just so that you could play chess and have Django have his revenge, which he needs, but you can't break a character out of the thing you've spent two hours setting up just so, so that the hero... I, 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 I thought that, so I loved that movie. I, yeah. I agree. To me, I the last sort of 
sequence is just like you know it's coming. They did the same thing at the end of Inglorious Bastards, but to me, I mostly was sad in that scene with Christoph Waltz shooting Candy because that was one of the most amazing characters, and I was so sad that he wasn't going to be in the last third of the movie. But I actually thought that they sold it in the sense that he was he 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 broke. He he snapped in that moment. But it wasn't his it wasn't his thing. Like like Django right. had to essentially like compel him to play along and then he learns his name and he's like, Oh, and he relates because of this fairy tale. Like I thought they went so out of their way to make a morally ambiguous character oh. relate to a slave. Interesting. To then have him get so upset. And I would have much rather had Django do the arm thing with the hidden gun and, and Christoph Waltz goes, No. I'm going to make it my life's work to fuck this guy up, but we got to get out of here first. We'll go into the woods. We will get all the guns we need and we will come back. Then kill Christoph Waltz. It just was a character break yeah. to have him lose his shit. It's not how he works. I'm and loving the Mike uh, Robert secret uh, rewriting of movies. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You <laughs> should have something here. So, yeah. okay. Like fan right. fiction, but better. All right. Uh, so with that, um, Mike, if you could, to wrap up our Mission Impossible 6 conversation. Okay. Rank your Mission Impossible movies. Okay, I have to say the first one because I'm Brian De Palma. It's sort of like, you know, I'm a fan of that and the movie. The first one is like, I felt like they got it really right. Then it's then it's 6. Uh, then it's 4. And I would say because of the uh, Burj Khalifa, the, the climate. Oh, yeah. Thing, like, I don't think scene. anything comes quite to that. And then 3 and then 5. And then 2 doesn't. Doesn't count. Eight. It honestly, I mean, I'm not to say like I, that movie is is, I, and I I hate talking like this, and I'm a huge um, uh, uh, oh my god, uh, the director is Ang, no um, John Woo, John Woo, John Woo. I love the the killer, blah, blah blah, all those. I love his Hong Kong movies. Um, it doesn't. I can't watch it. I actually can't watch it, and that's that's like saying a lot. Um, but uh, I don't think that's his fault. But uh, but I will say, have you noticed? And this maybe is a funny animator question, Becky. I'll say it to you specifically. Mission Impossible 4 is uh, very cartoony. Very, very, very cartoony. Do you remember that opening sequence with the guy from Alias? And he like, comes in the parachute, and he's like, he's cool, and he does his thing. And then he walks up to the girl in the alleyway, and he looks at his phone, and he looks at her, and she shoots him. And then he falls down dead, and his phone like rolls away, and it says, Assassin. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like Inspector Gadget. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, really? That's how they give you these super briefs? Like, two seconds yeah. before they see her, it says "assassin" on your phone. Like, True. any more information? Well, like, what if it was like "pet assassin"? Like, like <laughs> kind of assassin. So, like, clearly that information was there for the audience, but there's got to be a better way than oh, uh, yeah. literally writing right. the word. Assassin. I have, I, I have never looked at a fridge opening scene the same since Mike told us last time that you <laughs> that having oh, someone yeah. look at you through the fridge. <laughs> oh, no, I found the perfect example where it works. My son's been watching PB's Playhouse all the time. PB goes in the fridge and the, the produce is alive and then they cut around and it's their POV. Okay. Perfect. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> okay, let's let's cut to our recommendations, things we've been watching. And I'll I'll say a couple of things I've been watching uh, a Future Man on Hulu is super. It's awesome. I'm loving the Concur. new Goldberg's spinoff, Schooled. Terrific. Like, awesome out of the box. So it can only go up from here. And then I watched, as homework from Mr. Roberts last time, I watched Parallax View, 
uh, the power relax okay. you starring warren Beatty and mr feeney from boy meets world is in it <laughs> and it i i really didn't have expectations going into it but it's definitely one of those three days of the condor i think it's actually yeah. by the same director three days of the condor uh, is it no maybe not three days of the condor maybe it's all the president's men but but it's, only, it's definitely it's, it's all the president's men is like the, the companion one yeah, okay, but it reminds me of Three Days of the Condor, those movies, yeah. those kind of conspiracy movies that, or um, this great movie, Arlington Road, with Jeff Bridges and oh. Tim Robbins. Hate that movie. But it, it, it's very similar in that it's a conspiracy and you're following the good guy all the way through, and then you realize this movie's kind of in a loop, and not a good loop. Um, <laughs> and, but it's, it is the same director's. All the but, but what what I loved about it, Mike, uh, was I, I thought the a the use of audio in that movie was really strange. Maybe because it was the seventies, but there's like this scene where they're in the, a dam and they're trying to drown a particular character, and the sound of yeah, the yeah, dam yeah. is just overpowering. It was like just striking. And then the other thing I'll say about it that I loved about it was just wow, young Warren Beatty. I got to watch more young Warren Beatty. He's the man. He looks awesome. like how they drew Superman, like all through the sixties and seventies. Like when you see him show up that first time, he's like standing behind the like thing. You're like, whoa, whoa! Like, I I know like Dick Tracy Warren Beatty. I didn't know like Superman Warren Beatty. Yeah, I, I, I know him as like the kind of like uh, what you might call it, baby carriage stealer. What do you call it? Uh, the what do you call it? The married Annette Bedding, who's like thirty years. Oh old. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cradle That's robber, baby you're cold and your head is fuzzy. <laughs> There's a scene in that movie where he's trying to convince the like agent from the CIA that he's crazy, and oh, he like yeah. burns burns his hand on the pot and then like flips out and throws it across the room. It's like that is like a time they shoot it all like you're in the hallway. That movie's great. Yeah, that is that was a cool movie. I'm really I'm I'm really glad that I got a chance to see something old and classic cuz the 70s is an era that I don't often go to rewatch oh, something died. that I haven't seen because the the look is not really my thing. I don't enjoy it as much, but that was oh, a really okay. cool one. Have you seen uh, the conversation the Francis Ford Coppola with uh, Gene Hackman? Oh, oh, I got to see that. That's a really it. good movie. That one's I, even more paranoid. Oh, that's awesome. cool. Yeah. I got to see that. Okay. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Movie. All right, Lily, what about you? What have you been watching? Um, I don't. I think I'm the only one that watches a show ever in the whole world, Friends mm. from College. I watched Ugh. half an episode Bless. of the exact kind of mid-30s misery that I can't. Yes, agree. Everybody 100% agree with Shy. It's everybody. Everybody hates it. Everybody says it's unwatchable. Everybody says that these are terrible people. There's not a single redeemable character on the show. It's... I can't stop and all in on season two. Season two is awesome. Allie loves it. She watches it. This is a show Allie likes. The show, I can't tell. It's like a a weird thing between me watching it and being like, I hate all these people. This show makes me feel really good about my life. And me being like, what does this say about me that I like this show? (laughs) So I go between those two and I'm a bit worried. The second part. But the uh, second season is is just. I had moments where like I was watching it like quietly. I'm trying to get my kid to go to sleep who's jet lagged, and like 
woke him up because I was laughing out loud. That doesn't happen often to me. So <laughs> there's some pretty funny moments in season two. Um, and I watched Bad Times at the El Royale. Mike, you should see that movie. Yeah, I, I like. I'm worried about that one because, like, I, it makes me nervous. From all, it's got a lot of style. There's a lot of things happening. It's very Tarantino-esque, but yeah, it's fun. Okay. It, it's it's cool. like a it's movie. A cool movie. It's like a movie that would have come out in the '90s during the Tarantino craze, but not made by Tarantino. All right, right. I love like Guy a, Ritchie like a, and stuff. Like, like the, I like the kind of. Is that a Guy that Ritchie inspired. movie? No, no, no. I just mean no, like no. I like oh. what Tarantino inspired in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's uh, the the thing is that the very actors stylized. are great. Very mm. stylized, but the actors are great, oh, and it um, it's just like a fun movie. It's definitely an our buy rent, I'm not renter. Okay, all right, all right. It, but like, it's um, I enjoy watching it. Whereas uh, Mission Impossible Six is buy and get oh, the yeah. HD version with the special features. No, you have. I've to watched buy it three it. times already. I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> so you can get the special features because those are better than the movie. Sorry, it's just true. I bet. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's what that's it. That's all I got for you. <laughs> Becky, how about you? Just finished Future Man season one last night. I'm very excited. Fully endorse that show. Gotta go watch it. If you don't like it, I get it. I just, you know, I think people who do like it are probably have a great sense of humor and, you know, a <laughs> and, thorough understanding and of that. Popcorn. That is a show to tie it back to something like Final Space, where they do this kind of funny sci-fi, but that has stakes. And right. and, and, and especially parts. when you get into the second season, second season is, is much, it's funny, but it's a little more serious. It's a little more artistic, a little weirder. Um, but uh, I, I believe I heard Seth Rogen talking about it, how he wanted to do a comedy, but that had real end of the world stakes. And I think, oh. I think they finally kind of got it. And, and what they set up for season three, I really hope they do. And, because season three will be. Amazing. I will say, I will say, it has one of the most, probably the most important thing to this family when it comes to content, character development. It's got great character, and it's and in the last episode of season one, they really, they really, uh, like they they give a little bit of exposition about the character development, but it's they have like some self reflective moments where the characters are like, wow, I really changed and anyway so that i've also uh, been binging catastrophe because it's so easy to watch i know i'm super late to the game on that one um and the only thing i'm going to say about that is the main character sharon a good person no, i don't think not, so not really but it's kind of irrelevant um, she's really that, funny if you did you finish okay. season three yet no I, season three I ends in an important place for her character. I just started it. I because think. you, because yeah. if you're watching that show a lot of the time, I, I you also think Rob Delaney's like, character is the most wonderful guy, and you're like, uh, why is he not with Not really. Her? They're both kind of terrible. By but I think three. that it's, like, but, permissible when the character just is generally a good person, but just says all the things that maybe, like, we all think, and she doesn't give a shit, and she's happy with, like, herself. Wait, what show is this? Catastrophe. Catastrophe. Oh, it's on the Amazon it's Prime. very bingeable. Like you oh, can okay. just—it's like a half hour, like twenty-five, twenty-six minutes. And I feel oh, like it's a good, like I feel like a show that you can watch with like a partner, wife, boyfriend, okay, yeah. girlfriend, whatever. It's a—it's a definition of dramedy. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's, that's it. And it's that's, about child rearing. That's what's okay. been. And, that's, so that's all I've been watching. And Mike, you got anything that you're watching that you or or anything you want people to watch? I feel like I've been working, like, I, I, I have two kinds of watching, when I watch stuff and when I'm working, and when I'm working, I'm always watching stuff, but I can't recommend anything because I'm not technically watching it, but the last thing I watched that I liked was the new, the premiere of Star Trek Season 2. 
of Discovery oh, season two. Oh, cool. Cool. I've been and thinking I, about starting that show. Is it good? So, okay. The first season <laughs> is like a mixture of really no. good and kind of terrible in places. So like <laughs> really when you hit, when you hit no, no, but like, so there's, there's like a, Fair. I almost feel like you just skip it all, go right to the Harry Mudd episode with, um, uh, oh my God, I forget his name. Um, oh, that British guy who's cute. No, 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 no. Wait, oh, no? Come on. Harry, I'm, I'm going to do, I, I can't not say his name because he's too Mudd, Matthew it's, McConaughey? Uh, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Harry, I, wait, Gannon? why isn't he coming up? Why isn't it Doug up? Jones? No. Anthony uh, Rapp? Jason Isaac. It's rain. It is raining. It's for, is it? Wait. Why am I? Am I? I'm. I'm wrecking the show. I'm wrecking the show. Hold on. Give, okay. give me two seconds here. You I mean, I'm, but I mean, sometimes shows line. need like a season or two to really find I their. I mean, I'm voice. reading off main characters, and you're not buying any of these, so I don't know if we're That's talking about the same show. Show. Name Sometimes and shows then... need like a season or two to find their voice, and then by season two or season three, they're really great. You know, like a Parks and Rec situation. So I get that. That like maybe season one's hit or miss, but overall enjoyable and yeah like they do a lot of stuff that is really bad in like they change the canon of star star trek in a way that like is very frustrating in the first season and then um yeah it's rain wilson okay so um oh, he, he yeah. plays harry mudd and he's this kind of malevolent character from the original series yeah, um, yeah, yeah. malevolent oh my god words are important okay so so um so oh, he's, they he's these... very low on the imdb cast though I know it's funny, right? It's like hard so to good. find him. So season season one, I feel like if you're feeling like you're not liking it, you can skip it over. But I but I think that then watching the first season of season two, I was actually really glad I was invested in the characters. If that makes any sense. All right. So then the premiere of season two, I thought was great. Like it has Anson Mount is the is playing Captain Pike from he's from Hell on Wheels, which is another one of my favorite shows of all time. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, you guys watch? You ever see Hell on Wheels on AMC? No. Oh man, it also has Cole Meany in it. Which oh. is one of my favorite actors of all time. But uh, anyway, dad, so, dad loves Colmini. Yeah. yeah, he's the best. So anyway, so season two of Star Trek to me seems like a apology for season one because it has what's good about season one and almost nothing about what's bad about season one. Uh, that was very like heartfelt. Tignataro's in the premiere. I, I know. Thought, I, oh, I awesome. noticed that. Yeah. I love a good Tignataro sprinkling in. She's she's the ultimate deadpan. Yeah. Funny deadpan? I don't know what you I, call that. Someone one of the deadpan. greatest pop culture experiences of my life was at the Benson Ball, which is a comedy festival here in D.C., which she's kind of the curator of. Mm-hmm. I got to see her live moderate Weird Al Yankovic and Emo Phillips watching UHF live for an audience. God, that sounds amazing. It I love was UHF. incredible. It was yeah. incredible. She was wow, so that funny. And she was such a gracious host, too. She, like, ran all the way up into the balcony to take questions from the audience. It was so good. Yeah, like... She's one of those people where it's like she's not a good actor, but I would watch her act all day. If that makes any sense, yep, I don't know who else. One hundred percent category. But it was also, anyway, I, think, so I, I think you just recommended our new favorite show, Hell on Wheels. I never heard of this. It looks amazing. Oh, all right. It's so, like early days of the railroad. It's sort of like Deadwood, but if Deadwood was cool. a train, making the, tr- the tr- uh, railway. It's no, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm gonna wrap the show here and ask folks to do their social media and then we can chit chat afterwards um if if mike has time but i know that folks got i'm, uh, I'm Becky, under the Becky's gun gotta run. so <laughs> yeah. uh, mike where can people follow you even though we all follow you and we know where uh my i have this instagram and twitter is the mike roberts and my website is michaeljohnroberts.com uh that's probably all 
that matters. Um, and your Instagram is amazing. So yeah, it's the same. It's the the Mike Roberts. Yeah. That's 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 unnecessarily uh, important having the the in there. But Lil, where can people follow you? At GGK Gomez on Twitter. I tweet now. (laughs) And at um, Friday Fry Night Movie Pod because one of the funnest things has happened to me in my life. At Friday Night Movie. What? Whatever. They can. If you've gotten this far and you can't find our Instagram, (laughs) you got problems. Number one. Number two. One of the most fun things of my adulthood has been sharing an Instagram account with the two of you. (laughs) I often like our own stuff by accident. But I find. I like our own stuff all the time because I never remember to post to it, and then one of you guys do. I'm like, look how much fun this is, and so I have to include myself more. (laughs) Becky, where can people follow you? At Paper BK Princess on Twitter, and I will uh, perhaps begin to post to our at Fry Night Movie IG account. And you, you, um, before going into my stuff, I want to thank our amazing guest, Mike Roberts, uh, tremendous artist, so much fun to talk to. Uh, for joining us, uh, hopefully you'll you'll come back. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you guys are hilarious. Thank you. Um, I did the and... best. It's like it's like going to film school and then getting to hang out with the teacher after. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. 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 In June, June 7th, 8th, and 9th in Tyson's Quarter, Virginia. And um, uh, we've been talking to Mike and Kevin, doing hopefully planning some po- podcast crossovering with their podcast soon. And uh, we're really psyched. We're going to make coming Super to Urban with a real experience for people. And with that, the music from What Does It Eat will kick in and we will dance our way into the afternoon. We got to dance. Now we're, we're watching you dance. I like dancing to uh, Lily's someone who can't see you dance. Like the dance is totally unnecessary. I yeah, can tell everybody. But, but people knowing that you did it is. I think okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just do a head bob. <laughs>